Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 389, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Let's read a passage. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. This is written during Paul's third missionary journey, while Paul is in Ephesus. It's about five years after the church in Corinth was founded during Paul's second missionary journey. Some people from Corinth have come to Paul, and they brought either a letter or they brought some questions. And Paul's also heard from Chloe's household, which is probably there in Ephesus, of some problems in the Corinthian church. So Paul's writing this letter to answer their questions and deal with problems that he's heard about. Last time we finished up with Paul mentioning wisdom. He was talking about divisions in the church and that people were aligning themselves with various church leaders and probably with the underlying concept that they were claiming to have the wisdom of those people or even surpass their wisdom. And so Paul concluded with this comment that he was just preaching the gospel and he wasn't doing it with eloquent wisdom. Now today we're looking at, he continues and he's talking about wisdom. The idea of the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. Verse 18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Then he goes on to contrast with but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. So you got two groups of people here, those who are perishing and those who are being saved. Two, two categories of people. And this we often see in the Bible. There's two categories of people. Those who are followers of Christ, those who aren't. Those who are believers, those who aren't. Those who are children of God, those who are children of Satan. And Harry labels them as those who are being saved versus those who are perishing, the two categories of people. Now he talks about are perishing and are being saved. Interesting, these are present tense verbs. So he's not talking about final destiny. He's talking about current state of things. They're on their way to that final destiny. In this whole section, he's talking about two value systems, the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. And those who cling to the wisdom of the world, the word of the cross is foolishness. Those who cling to the wisdom of God, the word of God is power. 
Now, you would think he would contrast foolishness to God's wisdom, saying it's foolishness to the people of the world, but it's God's wisdom to us. But he contrasts it with power. And we'll see this in Paul's letter here, where Paul links the idea of the word of God with the power of God. So he uses that linking here in verse 18. The word of the cross is the power of God to us versus foolishness to those who are perishing. Now he quotes from Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 14. He says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. And he's bringing in just some Old Testament. This is, isn't anything new. This has always been the case that the wisdom of the world is set against the wisdom of God. And Isaiah said, is saying for God here that he's going to destroy the wisdom of the wise and set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Now Paul asks some questions. Verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? So it's just a question of, and, and it's not so much the distinction between these three types of people, but the one who is wise, the teacher of the law, and the debater. Those would be the worldly examples of those who have wisdom. Now, of this age, depending on how your translation is, sometimes it, it of this age basically just modifies debater, but some Greek scholars say it should modify all three of these, the, the wise person of the age, the teacher of the law of this age, and the debater of this age. But these are the worldly experts in wisdom. So think about those. He says, hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. So he gives examples of who the world considers to be wise. And then says in God's wisdom, that's just foolishness, the world's wisdom, because you can't know God through the world's wisdom. God chooses how people will come to him. And it's not through the world's wisdom. That's why a lot of people have trouble with faith, with the gospel, is it doesn't connect with their reasoning, their way of approaching things, what they consider to be wise. They value wisdom, and so they think God should match that. And it doesn't. God says people come to me through faith. And it's not a an attack on wisdom is not to say that it's anti-intelligence, anti-academia, anti-wisdom. The point is, the wisdom of people are not going to connect with God. God is all-wise, and God says the way you connect to me is through faith. That is, you believe what I said. I say it. You believe it. That's how you connect with me. You don't have to figure me out first. You just have to believe me and trust me. In verse 22, he says, The Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. 
but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. So the Jews ask for signs. In their thinking, the Messiah is going to come and be a miracle worker and perform miraculous things to help the people of God, much as God leading the Israelites through the wilderness in the story of Exodus. Is That's what they foresee the Messiah coming to do. So the Jews are looking for miracles. They say, well, Jesus did miracles. Yeah, he did. And that still didn't convince most of them. So the Jews ask for signs because that's what they're expecting. The Greeks seek wisdom. Now in Greek, he really means non-Jews, Gentiles, but he specifically uses Greek because the Greek culture is noted for its love of wisdom. And he's speaking to the Corinthians, which is the primary city in Greece. So wisdom is highly valued. Reason. And it's not that reason is bad. It's not that worldly wisdom is bad. But to demand that God fit within that is where you run into trouble. So the Jews are saying, I want God to prove to me through miracles that this is true. The Greeks are saying, I demand that God make sense, that God fit my pattern of reasoning and rational thought. God must make sense to me. And that's where a lot of people in our culture have problems with faith because they say, I demand that God make sense to me. Because if I were God, this is how I would do it. God says, well, I do it the way I do it, and you can either believe me or not. Contrast, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Christ crucified. And, and that's a big deal there. It's, it's not just Christ. It's Christ crucified, a crucified Savior. For us, we're so used to the cross as a symbol of faith of Christianity. We have, wear jewelry with crosses on it. We have crosses hanging on our walls, crosses on our Bibles, crosses on top of our churches. We have crosses all over the place. But remember, cross is an instrument of execution. And to the Jews, it is a stumbling block. Because anybody crucified is under God's curse in their thinking. And so to think that the Messiah would be a cursed person under God's curse because of crucifixion? That, no, can't, can't go there. And for Greek thinking, the idea of a crucified criminal is the savior of the world? That doesn't make sense. That's foolishness. So it's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Verse 24, yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So here's the distinction, the two classes of people. Those who don't believe, because it's stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentile, those are those who don't believe. But to those who are called, which consists of both Jews and Greeks, that's the other class of people, those who are being saved, from verse 18. So for the unbelievers, it's a stumbling block, it's foolishness. But for the believers, 
Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God. They contrast it to the wisdom of the world and the power of the world. The least wise bit of God's wisdom, the foolishness of God's wisdom, is so much greater than the most intelligent of human wisdom. And the least bit of power that is the weakness in God is so much stronger than the most powerful part of human strength. So he's just saying God is so much higher, so much better, so much stronger, so much wiser, so much beyond where people are. That's the power of God. That's the wisdom of God. He's going to go on through the next few verses, continuing this discussion of the the contrast between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. But we see this is applicable to us today in how people approach the gospel message. It either just doesn't seem right, doesn't make sense, doesn't add up. That's just not, I, I wouldn't do it that way. And if God wants me to believe, then he needs to make sense to me, or he needs to do things the way I think he needs to do it. It's no different today than it was then. So there are the two classes of people, those who are perishing, those who are being saved, those who believe, those who don't believe, those who see the wisdom of God because it comes from God, and those who demand that things make sense to the way they think they ought to be. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.